a reading from the book of Sirach. Wrath and anger are hateful things, yet the sinner hugs them tight. The vengeful will suffer the Lord's vengeance, for he remembers their sins in detail. Forgive your neighbor's injustice, then when you pray, your own sins will be forgiven. Could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? Could anyone refuse mercy to another like himself? Can he seek pardon for his own sins? If one who is but flesh cherishes wrath, who will forgive his sins? Remember, your last days set enmity aside. Remember death and decay and cease from sin. Think of the commandments. Hate not your neighbor. Remember the Most High's covenants and overlook faults. The word of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. He pardons all your iniquities, heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction, he crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. Not according to our sins does he deal with us nor does he requite us accordingly to our crimes. The Lord is kind and merciful, slow to anger and rich in compassion. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he put our transgressions from us. The Lord is kind and merciful, 
from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Peter approached Jesus and asked Him, Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold, along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had the fellow servant put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now, when his fellow servants saw what had happened, They were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then, in anger, his master handed him over to the torturers until he should pay back the whole debt. 
so will my heavenly Father do to you, unless each of you forgives your brother from your heart. The Gospel of the Lord. As I first started to prepare for this homily and turned on my computer, went to one of the uh, you know, scripture study websites that I used for background information, ad pops up on my screen. It's for a t-shirt. Printed on the t-shirt, it says, I'm going to let God fix this, because if I fix this, I'm going to jail. I tell you, God has a weird sense of humor sometimes in pointing me in the direction he wants me to take a homily, but I can take a hint, right? You know, I, I think we human beings have this, this innate sense of justice. We're outraged by things that are wrong. We want to fix them. We, we like to see them made right. I think it's because we're made in the image and likeness of God, who is, of course, all justice. And I think this is probably why some of our most um, popular forms of entertainment are revenge stories, you know, books, movies, films, things like, you know, a really old story, The Count of Monte Cristo, you might have heard of it. Guy is unjustly imprisoned in the Bastille in France back in 1600s or 1700s. And he's, when he's in prison, he hears about a treasure. So he escapes, he digs up the treasure, and he spends the rest of the story using that treasure to finance his revenge on the people who put him there. You may remember one of my most uh, favorite authors, a guy named Tom Clancy wrote a whole series of books, uh, one of which was called Without Remorse. Now, I admit, I like this story, and I probably shouldn't as a deacon, because the main character, um, his uh, fiance is murdered by a drug gang, and he spends the rest of the book hunting them down one by one, each one in a different manner. You know, almost any Liam Neeson movie, right? Someone's kidnapped, and he has to go out and seek revenge on them. We just love to see the good guys beat the stuffing out of the bad guys. It really is true. You know, I, I imagine there are people who would like the passion narrative much better if it was reset like a Marvel superhero movie and Jesus would come flying off the cross with lightning bolts shooting out of his fingers, blasting all of his enemies. There were guys there who actually wanted him to do that. Remember reading from the gospel? Take yourself off of that cross. But that is not his way. His way is merciful. His way is slow to anger and full of compassion. And our Lord calls us as his faithful children to imitate him, to lay aside vengeance and be fonts of his mercy and forgiveness for those who have wronged us so that through us they may taste a sample of his divine mercy and love. And let's not kid ourselves. He's really serious about this. Look at the passage we had today. The passage from Matthew's gospel where he tells the story of the debtor, the debtor servant, who doesn't forgive as he has been forgiven. He's doomed because he did not offer the same forgiveness he had received from his master. Our first reading from Sirach absolutely focuses on this exact same topic, saying, could anyone nourish anger against another and expect healing from the Lord? 
And by the way, if you, if you don't do uh, frequent scripture reading, Sirach is a great book to start with, full of wisdom. You, you'll really like it. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. But let's recall Matthew and his gospel, okay? A few chapters before what he relates today, he relates the story of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray. What does he teach them? Well, the prayer that we now know is the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father, which contains the line, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That's the exact translation from the Greek. We now say, forgive us our trespasses because the church doesn't want people to confuse this as merely being monetary. Matthew, remember, was a tax collector, right? So he, he speaks figuratively, figuratively using things that he knows about. He knows about debt, so he uses debt as a metaphor for sin. So is living Jesus' way the way of forgiveness? Is that difficult? You bet it is. It's absolutely difficult. But it has power to change for the good. And I'll give you a great example from one of our saints. Many of you know the story of St. Maria Goretti. Okay, if you're not familiar with it, here it is. She died at the age of 12. By the age of 12, she was quite beautiful. She's what would be called today an early maturer. So much so that an older teenager bordering on adulthood himself by the name of Alessandro Serenetti was so lustfully infatuated with her, he could think of nothing else. He was constantly trying to seduce her, and she would, you know, turn aside his, his uh, advances. Till one day he became so enraged that he grabbed her, fully intending to rape her. And she fought him off, pleading with him, don't do this, it is a huge sin before God. That only made him angrier, and he began to choke her, and he stabbed her multiple times. I forget the exact number, but it was a lot. It was something like 15 times. She took three days to die. But on her deathbed, she forgave him. And she prayed that he would one day be in heaven with her. And he was caught quickly. He was tried and convicted and sentenced to 30 years in prison. While he was in prison, he had a dream one night, a vision, as he described it, of Maria coming to him. It was so powerful, he was so overcome by her forgiveness and her prayers for him that he completely changed his life, repented of everything. And upon his release from prison, he went straight to Maria's mother, first thing, and asked for her forgiveness. And she granted it to him. The two of them, the mother and the murderer, attended Maria's canonization together. That is how powerful forgiveness can be. Maria was named a saint both for defending her chastity and for forgiving her attacker in a way that saved his soul. Now, you and I may never be called upon to do something that dramatically changes all the world. But we can change our little part of it by practicing what our Lord asks us to do, spreading God's mercy and forgiveness to those around us. Now, 
I'm looking around the church, and I, I really don't think that any of you are going to go full Rambo on somebody who's got you, you know, going to go hunt them down, all right? I, I doubt seriously that's going to happen. Maybe one or two, I don't know. <laughs> but I remind you that in our catechism, the destruction of a person's reputation through gossip, through slander, or through I'm going to get you, sucker, kind of stuff, is the moral equivalent of murder. It is a violation of the fifth commandment because we are doing something that harms their life. So we are to avoid that sort of thing. We're even to avoid holding a grudge because a, a grudge is like what Sirach talked about, nursing that anger inside of us. And when we nurse that anger, we block the flow of God's love into our life. We have to, you know, avoid little temptations like, and I know I've used this example before, the crazy road rage driver, right? You've all seen these stories on the news. Driver number one does something stupid, makes driver number two mad. Driver number two wants to take revenge, back on one, one on two, two on one, until something tragic happens in the end. And it all could have been avoided with a little bit of forgiveness, letting it go. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not to say that you are not allowed legitimate self-defense. If someone's attacking you, the catechism is quite clear on this. You have the right and almost even the duty to defend yourself. What you don't have the right to do is to wait two years down the road to exact that. By the way, this also doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat if you're in an abusive relationship, okay? You still are supposed to forgive that person, even after you've removed yourself from their presence. And if we find living this way too difficult, and it is very difficult, I admit it, I freely admit it, it's hard for all of us, let's ask God to help us with it. He knows it's hard, but he gave us his example from the cross when he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, he left us his sacrifice of his body and blood, soul and divinity in the Eucharist for us to share with each, each other in a sign of mutual forgiveness, mutual love, mutual sharing. Every Mass is a sharing in the forgiveness of Christ when we open our hearts that way. For with his help, we can let God fix the wrongs done against us instead of taking vengeance into our own hands. God love you.